0: A video has been floating around the internet of a man sitting in the rearmost seat of an airplane rocking the seat of the woman in front of him who is reclined into his space. Now, People have been really divided over this and they've been wondering who is at fault But if I'm going to be completely honest about this, this is a symbol of the spiritual warfare in our culture. And this scene reveals how love is broken in our culture. And at a time when we're talking so much about love and we hear this thrown around in platitudes and we see it on candy that we eat, it's important for us to understand what love really is. But neither party in this video is acting like a mature adult. And by that, I mean somebody whose first impulse is to love their neighbor. Again, as regenerate Christians, we are supposed to love our neighbors, as ourselves. And this small scene, it is a microcosm that indicates how love is broken in our culture, broken here in America. Christ commanded us to love one another as he loved us. And a good working definition for love, and this comes from Reverend Dr. Daniel Brett Spross. He says, to seek the best for the other without any benefit for yourself.
1: And that would be love.
0: Yes, love. Love is to seek the best for the other without any benefit for yourself. Now, our fallen nature will push back when we suffer anything that we argue is an injustice. Sort of like, you know, I'm in this seat and the lady in front of me is reclined back, so now I'm going to kind of be like a child and, and rock her chair. Or maybe you're the lady that says, you know, there's the big guy behind me, can't recline back, so I'm going to recline and then I'm going to video all this and put it online. You know, all of this is childish. They all need the Pope to come in then and give them a nice little... Pope's lap. And we're going to talk about this and how this indicates a larger issue about our culture with how we relate to love. Now, this is a special. We're going to be taking a break from our seven deadly sins or seven deadly lies in the church. We'll get back to that here in a few weeks. But for now, let's go ahead and introduce ourselves. This is Kingdom of the Lagos, a Christian program of critical thinking and adventure produced by clergy in the Church of the Nazarene. And I'm Pastor Jay Dillon Proctor.
2: I'm Pastor Amanda Sparrow.
0: Pastor Anthony Alegria. And I'm Pastor Mike Proctor. And we thank you for joining us. Remember to check us out on YouTube, on SoundCloud, on iTunes, CastBox, a lot of different places. And we really are trying to grow our YouTube channel. And you can donate monetarily at patreon.com slash Logos. Now, let's go ahead and open up in prayer before we go much further. Pastor Mike, would you pray for us as we open? Absolutely. Heavenly Father, we thank
3: you so much for the opportunity, Lord, to uh, um come together and discuss things, but most of all, dear Lord, you're here with us. I pray for the people who are watching and um, listening, Lord, and uh, just pray that you bless them and and do. Lord, help us to uh, be transformed where we can love one another appropriately as you call us to.
0: We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So what we're going to do is I have three reasons for why I really see love being broken here in the West in America. So three reasons for how we have broken love and moved away from Christ-like love. I'm going to give those in descending order, um, or I guess ascending order, getting close to that first reason, and I'll let everyone respond to that afterwards. And for those of you who are listening at home, please send us your thoughts, questions, and comments. So the number three reason, and these are in order of magnitude, the number three reason that we have love broken in our culture is that we live in an era of gotcha virtues, rather than real virtues. So this is the sort of idea that you can pull off some snide gotcha comment with someone and show that they really don't love you. And we have allowed these gotcha comments to become a real standard for love. We've actually started to treat these seriously. And what I mean by this is, is for example, if you've got someone who comes to you and says, if you love me, you will support me in my choices. And we have permitted this to be a serious standard for love when it's really not, it's not a serious thing. It's just someone trying to, to kind of manipulate you. And this does it bleeds into our personal lives. When we get to a point where we believe that if our Facebook relationships or our conversations on Facebook, they don't lock together with the choreograph, the choreographed movements of a, a you know well-scripted dance, then the other party hates me. We get to a place where we say, you know, that person didn't greet me on Sunday in church in the way that I wanted them to, therefore they're not living with Christ-like love. We have people who will say, you know, that pastor, they're sitting over there on, on Monday and they didn't slam down their computer and run out there in the parking lot and, and you know, tap on the window of that person turning around, turning around in the church parking lot. So that pastor really is not a good pastor and they don't really love their, their parish and their, their community. We have this whole world where the gotcha standard has been permitted as a standard for love. That, you know, if somebody rolls a gotcha comment off about you that says, ah, you're not really that loving we've somehow permitted this to be taken seriously and it's not because this is something which is is vicious and it's impossible to ever live up to that because it's not really about whoever they're talking about. It's about themselves and wanting everyone bow down to their own standards. It's about exerting the self. So it's a really bad thing. So that's reason number three, the whole gotcha standard. Reason number two is that we proclaim in our society the exceptions before the rule. For instance, you might want to say all dogs have four legs, but you might be get pushed back in our culture. Somebody might say, well, you know, there's dogs who lost their leg in a car accident. So you can't say that all dogs have four legs. And when it comes to the issue of love, the church does this. And we've got to do better about this as the church. Um, And we've got to teach our culture how to do better about this. When it comes to things like divorce, the church often abstains from saying divorce is bad or teaching really on the topic at all because we say, well, there are exceptions. There's a good chance if you've heard somebody talk about divorce, they've stopped, They've started off their conversation by saying, well, there are times when divorce is necessary because of abuse. They usually start with that rather than starting with what God's design for marriage is. But when you actually look at the top 10 reasons for why people get divorced, um, abuse is on there. Um, both sort of physical and verbal abuse, but that's number 10 on the list of top 10. In fact, if you read the reasons why people get divorced, number one is infidelity. Two, money. Three, lack of communication. Four, arguing. Weight gain is five. Um, Unrealistic expectations, lack of intimacy, lack of equality, not being prepared for marriage, and abuse, finally down there at 10. And we as the church, we haven't spent enough time asserting the true aspects of love. And we get to a point where we say, well, there's exceptions, so we don't really assert any aspect. We say, we know there is romance and that is a real type of love, but there's also great loves that we have for one another that is not romantic at all. And thus, since there are exceptions and there are different aspects of love, we just kind of shy away from really asserting any definition of love. We just sit back and we're like a flag in the wind, blowing whatever way sounds kind in the moment. And that's where we get back to that definition that Brother Dan, um, Dr. Spross, he shares with us that it is to seek the best for the other without any benefit for yourself. And Dan, he's a big proponent of being based. I know I mentioned him earlier. Um, I love Brother Dan. I don't want anybody to think that I'm making fun <laughs> of him. Um, Brother Dan is, is an awesome influence and he's always one that teaches us how important it is to, to take a stand and be firm in your orthodoxy. And really the second reason is that we don't want to be firm in our orthodoxy and that's where we've gotten to a bad bad place so reason number one for why we have broken love in the the west is our model for love is wrong at best our culture tends to think that love is romance or some sort of affirmation of someone else's desires but we have forgotten the truth of a commandment that was given to us in the church jesus commanded us to love one another as he loved us. And we have forgotten the truth of this. Jesus' commandment is not simply to love without any further explanation, instruction, or even definition of what love is. But in John chapter 13, verses 34 through 35, it reads as follows. I give you a new commandment that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also should love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now this translates into our personal lives when we play God and we want ourselves to be the model of love. And that comes in at the number one reason why love is broken in the West is we're not letting Jesus Christ be the standard bearer for love and us trying to model ourselves after him, but instead we're trying to force everything to model after our own desires. So just some quick thoughts after reading through that Um, from those in the studio. uh, What are your thoughts on, on that. Pastor Mandel i start with you.
2: Yeah, yeah I think uh, love is a hard topic to discuss um, just in general, and I think these three do give us a really good framework of how we can begin to looking look at love appropriately and also how it uh, we should love. But I think to even start off this conversation, it, it is difficult to talk about love because it's not simply a theological or philosophical or even academic thought. You know, we discuss it. There, there are a uh, myriad of dis- different disciplines that discuss love, whether it's sociology or psychology or the theology. Um, all these ologies kind of get together, even biology, uh, get together to trying to figure out what is love and what does it mean. And it's difficult because in all these thought processes, then we have to apply those thought processes to our daily lives. And so we hear, especially this last point that Pastor Dylan made, you know, Jesus says, love like I have loved. And we're like, all right, that sounds great, but... And then we kind of slip into that second thing you talked about, the exceptions. We're like, well, Jesus didn't have to deal with this person. Or, um, you know, Jesus never had to get yelled at over Facebook. Um, And, you know, we try to... and I think some of us honestly are asking those questions. We're not trying to get away with, you know, not loving our neighbor, which is like, what would Jesus do in this circumstance? Yeah. And so love is, it's a difficult discussion, but we have to, I think, by calling out some of these ways we've tried to slip past not having to love our neighbor appropriately. Um, I think by objectively calling them out, we can at least start beginning to work better towards what real love is.
0: Sure. Pastor Mike, what, are your, what is your read on those three reasons for how love has gotten broken in the West?
3: Well, I think, you know, if we look at uh, the Greek understanding, of, we have more than one word for that in the in the Greek language, which generally is translated into our one word for love. So there is eros, which is where we get the word erotic. Uh, we don't see that in the Bible, but uh, it is a you know, something that is often implied. Then there is Vallejo, which is where we get more of a friendship type of love. And, and Agape, which is more Christ-like. And so we have these three different words that we translate into love. And I think sometimes we've gotten somewhat lazy as uh, Amanda had suggested as we were preparing, that sometimes we'll make a statement like, I love pizza. When you, you know, we have a word for that. I like pizza. And so we've 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 almost watered down the word love and uh, I think also as you were saying some of these things uh, especially that top 10 list we live in a a consumeristic culture where it's about me have it your way so to speak is one of the, uh, the ads have it your way have it your way and and you know love is not about yourself. It is about the other. It's about people. It's about uh, the world
0: around us. And most of all, it's about Christ Jesus. Yeah, and I think to your point, we have seen a move in consumerism. Like a lot of people talk about consumerism, and it really was something which was very material decades yes. past. But it has moved beyond that to where it is also the immaterial consumerism, mm-hmm. where we, we treat relationships with this sort of consumeristic mentality. And that's really where this stuff really does get quite destructive when it goes to that immaterial level, where where we have now got into just the the philosophical version of everything is consumeristic. I'll I use whatever. Virtue, I want to get here, even though I'm not really doing it, and then just throw it away because I don't have to be honest. I just have these gotcha moments, which get me to different places. It, well, it's an attitude that has bled over into our relationships,
3: and it's you know people consume others. And 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 when I say that, I mean it's like they, it's all about you focusing on me, and that is totally wrong, and yeah. it's the opposite of love.
0: Yeah. And we also see that with how people self-select the groups that they're with and things like that. Instead of having to, and we even see this in the church, instead of everybody worshiping together, now we've got like self-select church where, well, I'll go with this age group or I'll go with that one. Like I don't actually have to live with the people that maybe are my own family that are like generations of me, but we we just kind of self-select and consume what we want to and not what we don't. Anthony, what's your read on these three reasons that I had?
1: I think that uh, Pastor, Amanda and Pastor Mike covered it pretty well, but if I was going to contribute anything of my own, I would just say that our culture rarely considers the fruits of selfless love. And um, so seeing as this is Valentine's Day, this might be a good example, but you know, a lot of times whenever people are talking about love, they picture, for instance, a uh, young married couple heading out from the ceremony to the reception and all that, that sort of thing. But um if we're looking for something a little more developed than that early eros like mike was talking about then maybe we should look and think about love more as the elderly couple who you know i think a lot of elderly couples it's almost like they live their own lives during the day but then at the end of the night you know they come back home together and they have dinner or whatever and they talk and then they basically go to bed and um i think that in that situation, again, this is Valentine's Day, so I'm spe- I'm gonna keep it a little Valentine themed. But in that situation, it takes more than the early eros to get that far. It takes the selfless love to uh, for a relationship to survive that long. And so I think that whenever you look at that relationship and look at its fruits, you know they're leaving a legacy. They're children who are grown up and who are developing their own lives and their own household and so um i just think that maybe our culture should spend more time thinking about those fruits rather than uh the fruits of the early very passionate love and before we get all the angry comments that anthony doesn't know how (laughs) elderly
0: people run their their lives i think kind of what he's saying is they're they're not they're they're not at the moment where it's just the superficial things where the love in the marriage has gone to where there's lasting things where we have legacies we're leaving off we we have so built our lives together that we are we really are living in those long term benefits of having this loving relationships it's not just something which is superficial or consumeristic and it's obviously not that by this point
3: yeah you know to go with what anthony said i think anytime we see a couple that's been married 40 50 even 60 years there's a testimony there and most everyone that i've talked to or couples in that relationship they talk about how they have you know, learn to give and give to the other. And they had to work for that,
0: that marriage to last that long. Yeah. So, all right, let's get to some questions about all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, Pastor Amanda, is love agreement? And we see things biblically like Jesus dealing with Peter and there's that famed scene where Jesus turns to Peter and he says, get behind me, Satan. You know, does mm-hmm. Jesus love Peter in that moment?
2: Yeah, I, I think we definitely see that because it's even though Jesus kinda definitely calls Peter out on it, there is an aspect where Jesus is trying to lead Peter to a better understanding of what's going on. In the context of this, is Jesus talking about the ultimate expression of his love, which will lead him to a cross and a very horrific death. And Peter thinks, well, that's not love. You know, that's the the way to show love to the people of Israel is to get on your horse and grab the you know, a sword and slay the the Romans. And Jesus is like, no, you you've misunderstood what real love is about. And this is something that has um we've well, long before then and long after, we have done not a very good job at discussing what real love is. And this is where uh some people fall, I think, one too far on on one side where love is selfish, and that's where kinda uh Pastor uh Anthony and Pastor Mike were discussing where it's all about me. And then we've kind of had this knee-jerk reaction to the other side. We're like, okay, well, selfless love then means you give me whatever I want, or you give the other person whatever they want. If you really want to show this to someone and you love them, then you're just gonna kinda of go along to get along. And real love is selfless, but it still has boundaries. It still has healthy yes and no's. And it's there are some uh, weird areas of love where you kinda of have to figure it out in the moment but there has to be that conversation where you're saying this is like this is not appropriate this is appropriate and if there's anything in the in between them we'll figure that out but we have to give those boundaries real love true love has boundaries and that's that's for any relationship and again because it's Valentine's Day I'm not just talking about marriages or boyfriends and girlfriends this is friendships this is families and that's hard to do sometimes especially when someone's trying to be manipulative or abusive and for you to say no Real love says, maybe means we can't contact one another for a while until we're going to behave ourselves. Yeah, and and that's hard stuff. That's not easy stuff. And so that's we don't like talking about that when, in the midst of roses and red hearts and chocolates. But um, I go back to something uh, Doctor Hoskins was talking about in church history. He said the church had to learn how to fight well, and I think that's great advice not just for the church but any kind of interpersonal relationship. We have to learn to fight well and love and relationships are worth fighting for sometimes those fights get ugly Um, sometimes they're screaming sometimes there are things that are thrown hopefully not um but it gets ugly but if it's worth having it's going to be worth fighting for and we have to do that appropriately again there's healthy boundaries um so no love can't be just agreement because that can lead us to some very dangerous places
0: yeah pastor mike is love the same thing as kindness no, you know, it, it does say in
3: 1 um, uh, Corinthians, love is kind, but we should never, ever confuse love and kindness as being the exact same thing. Uh, there are characteristics, uh, you know, of love that is kind. And so, yes, that's right when it's placed in its context. But we can also look at the fruit of the Spirit, which is a characteristic of the Spirit, and and kindness and love... Um, both being of that but they are not the same thing. Robert Spitzer uh, points us to four levels of happiness and uh, a lot of times we see people saying well if you're going to be kind you must make me happy or something of that nature again. It, there's there's four levels of happiness and none of these are wrong to have because uh, we are, we are physical beings and we have physical pleasure, which is that first level. But it is a very, um, I guess a good word for that would be immature type of love to, to live in that and not progress. So you might say, well, you know, it, it comes from a, a an external stimulus such as, I like ice cream. Um, and and you know so you you can use people and say well I like this person maybe they're attractive or whatever it makes me feel good but it really has nothing to do with the person as much as it does the the uh, individual the third the second one is um, accomplishments people are are uh, they get happy and thrilled when they accomplish something they live in there and they sometimes may call that love um, you know maybe they they. They want to desire power and popularity. They want to win all the time. And so you can see that there's a downfall there if you live in there. The, the next one would probably be uh, a more mature happiness and a place of love. And that is where it most uh, aligns with our definition of seeking the best for the other without any benefit for, for yourself. And that is good beyond yourself empathy, um, seeking justice, beauty, love, and unity. And yet, even there we live in a world where you know it just don't happen. So we're going to um, there is another level that's ultimate good and that's where we find Paul and Silas um, rejoicing even while they're in prison and, and being beaten and that is an eternally enduring love that is christ-like where even when we suffer injustices there is something that we know is coming and we can live in that happiness and joy and so for us love runs with that
0: hand in hand yeah pastor amanda whom do we discipline
2: <laughs> so as we're discussing love and uh ba- healthy boundaries and also i think as pastor mike was discussing like love doesn't always seem kind love is kind and there is kindness in it but sometimes there it extends beyond that kind of surface level of kindness and so as we talk about discipline uh, you've got a passage here of revelation chapter 3 verse 19 that says I reprove and discipline those whom I love be earnest therefore and repent um, And so we see this that Christ disciplines um, he Christ even in his earthly ministry discusses with his disciples that, You know, as a father disciplines his children, so they too must be disciplined. Um, And we're, I think we're reminded of the story of St. Nicholas. And I know we've referenced this before, especially when we're talking about the Pope slap earlier. Um, You know, St. Nicholas interacts with the heretic uh, Arius and slaps him. And then Nicholas, St. Nicholas gets in trouble for slapping Arius because although Arius definitely needed to be uh, disciplined and needed to be reprimanded, slapping was a little too far. And so uh, Saint Nicholas is actually has to spend a night in jail, and there he repents of that. And um, but it's it's fascinating this concept of discipline, because I think for some of us who are trying to do what's right, when we see someone not doing that, we want to be the kind of the the bulldozer or the bull in the china shop coming through and and getting like, no, you will behave right, you will love correctly. And again, sometimes that is very much needed. And but we have to remind ourselves we're not the authors or finishers of that discipline. Um, We are called to be participants in the kingdom and especially as ministers and all of us here are ministers, I think we're called to remind our people our congregations uh, to be a people of love Um, but we don't set those standards. We have to call others to live to those standards but we don't set those standards ourselves and that's again where we go back to that passage in John. We love as Christ loved.
0: Yeah. Pastor Mike, As I said earlier, we often do exert the exceptions before the rule, especially when it comes to love. We can't find ourselves asserting what it really means to follow God's design. And we have all these excuses in our lives. We say there's exceptions, there's this or there's that. And we find that this really does affect us in our lives. We say things like, well, you know, I know I'm supposed to love my neighbor, but he keeps borrowing my tools and breaking them or maybe never returns them. We've always got these exceptional reasons that we say, well, you know, that wasn't really there in the New Testament like this. And we kind of pretend that Jesus is oblivious to the, the full spectrum of the world. And we say, well, I've got this special exception, exception in my life and therefore I can't be expected to, to hold by this standard of love. But the truth is since the fall, that we find all the way back with our most ancient ancestors, God has known that we are not these perfect little angels that matched up with the original design, though he wanted to reconcile us and pull us back to that. That's sort of the whole thing with the fallen sin nature. And so, Pastor Mike, what do we say to people when they, they say, well, I've got these exceptions, I've got these unique difficulties? How how should people respond to that and be led towards the true love of Christ? Well,
3: I think a lot of times it is uh, strictly a lie from the devil to say that it's unique because so many of us in the church are still, well, all everyone in the church is on that road to transformation into Christ-likeness. And it is something that constantly is happening in our lives. It is active. And so, you know, to say that it is unique uh, for someone to have those broken areas in life and not, not have everything working like they should, uh, that that is not true. Most people, everyone has dysfunctionalism going on in their in their life or their family's life in some form or way. What, what really makes the difference is when we come together as a church, it is really a beautiful thing to realize that we are on that same road, all of us together, into being transformed into that image that God created us to be. And so there's going to be people and there's going to be arguments within, among people, that's for sure, um, and and differences. But that's where we come together and we're able to seek the best for the other without any benefit to yourself. It doesn't mean you have to lay down and roll over to things that are wrong. But it does mean that we have the other person's interest in mind. And so there's a lot of forgiveness that has to happen inside a congregation. There's a lot of um things you want to, you, you know, I think I use the terminology of sandpaper. Uh, some of us are sandpaper people, and some are, you know, 1200 grit, but some are probably more like myself, about a 50 grit, that when you rub up against one another, somebody's, it, it hurts a little bit. It, it'll rub you raw. But we have a healing and a salvation that we constantly, you know, forgive one another and 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 um, hold them accountable be transformed into that Christ-likeness and they also in turn do the same for us so the church is God's instrument it is the body of Christ and therefore we are um, you know in a in a place where God uses the church as an instrument of salvation and healing and transformation
0: Yeah, Pastor Anthony um, how does how do we see Christ-like love responding to sin and sinners
1: well, uh, again, just like last week, I'm gonna pull the uh, Bible answer. <laughs> uh, Luke five thirty one through thirty two reads as follows: Jesus answered, "Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I have come to call not the righteous, but sinners to repentance." Amen. And so, I mean, from this we can sort of see that first of all, Christ loves sinners with healing. And with redemption and so um, he hasn't come necessarily for uh, the righteous here like you might think and so you think okay God he's only gonna love the righteous no he loves also those sinners and I think this is something that's essential to how we should consider and talk about love because whenever we live in the world whenever the only things that we love are things like pizza well then yeah then certainly God should only love the righteous you know yeah. but god doesn't only love the righteous and god's not the type of god who only loves pizza he loves sinners too and what that looks like doesn't mean an absolute cherishing and all you know that sort of idea where it's an enjoyment all the time uh i do think god takes joy in his creation and he calls it good but that doesn't mean that that's the absolute only type of response in love that is possible and so like god loves sinners so we should too should love uh one another and so that means that sometimes it's not going to look like the way that we look whenever we love pizza that means that it's going to look like reprove it's going to look like an attempt to heal and so that can look a variety of ways sometimes healing hurts sometimes it's not so bad but sometimes it hurts so in any case i'm going to turn that back to you guys
0: yeah um Final question before we get into wrapping things up. Pastor Amanda, how can the church positively affirm true love, true Christ-like love?
2: Well, I think it is us having these kind of discussions like this is looking at the world around us and naming the reality of what is broken, but also naming the reality of who Christ calls us to be and spurring one another towards that love. And we have this fantastic chapter in our scriptures. We call it the love chapter. Probably a lot of the secular world, um, other than probably things like uh, love your neighbor as yourself, this is probably one of the most recognizable passages um, in our our scripture, even to the secular world. And it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And and whoever was in charge of dividing, because remember, these were written as letters. They were not written in chapters and verses. And that was added later on to help us kind of... Be able to find things in our Bible. Whoever uh, did that in this book, I think, did a great disservice when they separated that last sentence in chapter what is in chapter twelve from chapter thirteen, because Paul Paul's writing to a divided church, a church at war with themselves. They're war with others. They're they're fighting over who the best preacher is. They're fighting over what the greatest gift to have is. They're fighting over when to have communion. They're just fighting. And he, he gives, in, in the glorious Pauline fashion, this fantastically long letter with all of its little diatribes and bunny trails, and then he goes, now, I'm going to show you the most excellent way. And what's that excellent way? And so he goes through the chapter, and he says, this is what love is. And he talks about the spiritual gifts and how they're nothing compared if you don't have love. Well, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but it rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. And then Paul goes into how these earthly things, these earthly gifts will end. And there's this fantastic line that we sometimes skip over where uh, Paul says, he says, we see ourselves kind of dimly in a mirror, but then we will see face to face. Now I know in part, then I will know fully, even as I am now fully known. Now these three things remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And the reason I bring that that verse twelve before we get to the, the greatest of these is love, is because he's saying, Listen, we already have love expressed fully and completely, in the one who knows us fully and completely and that is the love of the triune God.
0: Amen. Amen so one of the the things that we have just wrapping all this up we see our our culture our nation is in the middle of spiritual warfare and the sooner the church realizes this the sooner we will be able to to step towards the revival that god wants us to go towards because we have to realize even something like two people on an airplane it is it's a microcosm for this fracture in how we love one another it totally is it totally is you have people who they, they want my standard. So you've got one who says, I want to recline and I don't care whose space I get into. And you've got somebody else who says, well, I'm just going to irritate the snot and be totally rude, totally childless in response to that. And the other one says, well, I'm going to film it and put it online. It is a self-perpetuating monster where people do not have Christ-like love. They're not starting from this premise that it's not always just have it your way. We're not all in Burger King land. <laughs> um, we... We are children of God here in fallen creation. And Christ has called us to a, a very difficult um, standard. One that we can't reach by ourselves. This standard of love where we do love one another as Christ loved us. And we're to aspire to that, not to be desperate and just say, well, let me see who can be more childish in response to this. And that's what you find. You find the spiritual warfare of the carnal nature trying to exert itself. And it's carnal nature versus carnal nature. And in the end, the only thing you get in that is carnal nature. There is no aspirations in that. You know, I, I think it's kind of a worthless debate to argue who's more in fault in that because it's the sin nature is just running rampant when you see that video. Just running rampant. Rudeness rudeness abounds. Um, but yet Christ comes and calls us to repent. That, that verse there, those whom I love, I reproach and discipline, therefore repent. We find that and we know that we are called to something greater than just sitting on the back of a, of a plane pushing a seat or reclining on top of someone the spats that we get to us like kids on the bus you know whatever it may be because there's all sorts of stuff where we see people get rubbed the wrong way um you go to try to fill out a form somewhere like the dmv there's all sorts of stuff which happen to us which frustrate us and we realize that our our world is broken love is broken we don't have that fundamental christ-like love Every, we it's just missing and as the church, we need that spiritual revival. We need to be revived and, and be bringing that Christ-like love and bringing people to, to know Christ Jesus. All right, so um, final thoughts on this. Uh, we do need to assert the, true, the truth of love, that it is Jesus. Jesus is the standard bearer for this, not ourselves. And we also have to assert this and not just have all these exceptions and say, well, you know, because we're humans, we can't really do that. I've got something special in my life. No, we need to assert the true rules of love and we need to just quit taking the gotcha game seriously, which you see all over. I mean, it it dominates the Internet, the gotcha game, but also it dominates our lives largely, too. A lot of times we get in arguments with one another. And it's basically a gotcha game between people to kind of prove your point. Instead of anybody doing anything reasoned or really showing something, it's like, ah, I got you with that clever one-liner, therefore you're at fault. We need to quit taking this stuff seriously and move back to Christ-like love. So, um, Pastor Mike, you had a final thought you wanted to share? I think I do. You know, the the uh, if
3: we look at the definition that we had, that we if we do that in comparison with christ jesus seeking the best for the other without any benefit to yourself we see that god sent his son christ jesus who went to a cross no benefit for himself so that we could be forgiven um, and have an atonement for our sins so that we can become in right relationship. That That is why we have so many people who wear crosses, and, and crosses are, are so important to the Christian people, is because it is a statement of love. As hideous and horrific as the crucifixion is, it is an act of love to bring God's people back yeah. into right relationship.
1: Anthony? I was okay. trying to ask if you would like me to pray oh. afterwards. Oh, well,
0: here in the studio, the the symbols and hand signatures aren't always good. I thought there for a second he was going to say, if people wear the cross as a symbol of love, maybe we should have an airplane chair as a symbol of sin. Um, <laughs> mm.
2: uh, yeah, air travel is only getting worse, but I don't think... Yeah, like, as I said, the
0: more I think about that, you know, that kind of works. Yeah. Carnality. Well, and, um, being know, crushed in an airplane. One of the fruit
3: of the Spirit is also self control, and we always want to push
0: back. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: Yep. All righty. Well, we'll go ahead and let Anthony pray and close
1: us out. We thank you for joining us. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for showing us your love. We pray, Lord, that we might also love as you do, that we might love our enemy that we might love our neighbor, that whenever we love, we love in such a way that gives selflessly, that gives good gifts just as you do, and that turns people towards your son and what he did on the cross. We ask this in your son's name. Amen. 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 With that,
0: God love you and have a blessed day.